I pointed out to your future. I also, that is beyond the point um, of death, actually. It's the result of it. Hmm? It's close to connected. It's always there. And so tonight, to, this morning, I wanted to kind of maybe <coughs> look at <coughs> our mortality, which relates to that too. An uncomfortable topic, not necessarily so. It's just part of life. So, let's reflect. Look to it here and see yourself being supported by this structure. And let's realize we want to reflect a little bit on this reality, which is called, called impermanence. makes us realize that we are living here in a very fleeting, temporary way. There is a book which was pointed out to me, <coughs> given for a few moments to me, by Mac Claude, uh, which has an interesting chapter called Reflection on death. Of course, that is where I stopped a minute. Hmm? Very beautiful, articulated. And I want to share now a little bit of this with you. The chapter that points to mortality had an um, important uh, point or a different way to see this act of reflecting on death of realizing this reality. He calls it the deconstruction of conventional reality. A lot of our busyness, of our stressful life, we are allowing ourselves to lead and being pushed around, is actually to avoid to turn away from this reality. There's an ancient, long time existing necessity to um, look at it, at this reality, for we have the tendency to turn away and all our activities, as it is pointed out, are an avoidance. Um, in the Indian epic, the Mahabharata, I think that's the way you forgot, there it is asked, what is the wonder of the world? And the answer is, the wonder of the world is that people see all around people dying and they don't believe it refers to them too. So, um, if we really, of course that is ignorance now, 
not staying close to it and understanding it or reflecting it. For if we really remembered it, that we also die like those who die around us, live, we would live our lives quite differently. It's hard to comprehend. I'm working on it. Sure, I understand that. It's kind of fun to think about it, how I'm going to go. It's different when you come closer and when it becomes real. But it is, um, well, let's, let's go ahead. So I said, uh, <clears throat> if we would really be able to remember more often and integrate it in our life, we would live differently. And some of you have maybe had a touch. And I feel, I know it is true, that we would live differently and that we can, and sometimes I find myself also actualizing that. Because whenever I do remember it, when I realize it more deeply as I go to my body, aliveness, sense it in its different qualities on a very microcosmic level, whatever I am experiencing in such re inner relatedness um, is becoming very precious. It's a, um, a certain willingness there and openness to accept with whatever I am in contact with, whether it is stress, whether it is uncomfortable, or whether it is delightful. There is then at times a recognition of the preciousness of life. And, um, but yet at times forces creep up subtle that are against it or kind of hesitate and step back from this real possibility of this, from this reality. So, these reflections is the Buddha, to which the Buddha calls us, approaches us throughout the practice, throughout his teaching, and also that um, book by Claude he made an attempt uh, approaching us mm, with this reality and calling our attention to reconstruct through reflecting and accepting this reality to become acquainted and comfortable with it, integrated. It is said when we understand it deeply, it's part of our wisdom. Every day should we actually, according to the Dharma, according also to some awakened ones and insightful ones who have 
approached us with this, <clears throat> should we initiate our daily meditation with one form or another of this reality, impermanence, death? the dissolution of this living process, especially when our minds have become calm and able to connect to their own process, it can be possible. And one can take up a special, special uh, issue or a kind give a title to your reflection, maybe not so clear, but somehow this understanding, you start with it, everyone dies. To reflect that. Or another topic could be, one never knows when one will die. Or one never knows how one will die. I have once did this course where I describe different ways of dying, but um, we can do it in our own way right now. This reflection, my dear Dharma friends, please understand. I know you all advanced. You will. You advanced in your contemplations and in your practice. We will understand that these reflections are not, uh, that they are positive. They make us integrate into our lives. And they should or could be experienced over a certain time, a whole month, you say, I will make it known to me or will remember myself to that reality, make signs on your refrigerator, in your bathroom, door, or here and there, and say, you too will die. I don't know how I will die. It is is, uh, your own practice. Before sitting, it is uh, suggested, during the day here and then, when it is appropriate, when you feel quiet, when you feel open for accepting things that are difficult to accept. One interesting meditation topic of reflection could be to make an inventory, I feel, of all the reflection, of all the different possibilities you could die today. Well, what does she talk about? Getting out of bed is a dangerous, can be dangerous. <laughs> People have fallen out of their bed and were dead. <laughs> yeah, see, it's not big. What is, what is it reflecting on my death? It's here. Possibilities. What other possibilities? Inventory of all the different possibilities we can die today. 
Getting out of bed is dangerous, has that possibility. Getting into the shower, gliding away and falling against the tiles. Look at the implement in your kitchen, the electric devices. Just imagine when your microwave starts spouting its power around you. Or your fireplace is overfed with logs and starts allowing flames to jump up to the ceiling. Or catching you whilst you are standing nearby. Of course, the car is a classic example, a classic reflection for the possibility of your death. The next earthquake the earth has for us could happen this afternoon. To keep that in mind, and sometimes you might feel you would like to do it, and yet at the same time you feel subtle forces behind your ears. Why should I do that? It's, it's not now, later. That is sometimes happening, what gradually or is happening when we are starting to reflect this topic, that it brings up quite a lot of fear. One may feel a little spaced out at times, or vulnerable, soft inside, who may be weak, fearful, perhaps a little aversive. It brings all kinds of energy up, especially that which we are using to hold this reality away from us. Right, Jane? But the mind, <coughs> so, and we don't understand in those moments what saints have said to us, what the Buddha points out, that the mind, when it gets concentrated, when it realizes this, this reality or mortality, opens up is actually delighted, not in the ordinary way, but it is happening, this feeling of being content that moment and accepting. Why? Because we invite ourselves those moments to truth. And that is a natural law in the mind, to be calm and quiet and content when it is able to see truth. So I don't have any much difficult to go quickly to that. I'm right in the neighborhood, even on the worldly level. Think of my name. 
I just need to add a T to my name. Then I am read it, Antoinette. Read it. Truth. That's a nice, delightful thought, isn't it? So, um, to weaken our attachments to this living process, to its body, to its perception, to its um, feelings, to its emotions, and to its consciousness, is um, the purpose of this uh, reflection to weaken our attachment to these five five uh, things or it's called aggregates parts which is our body mind process my life right here body perception feelings, how we receive the word, and um, emotions, states of mind, and consciousness. Great fears are around it to let go of them. They dissolve at the moment of death, and somehow we know it body knows it, because consciousness can know, somehow understands that consciousness that lives here. It is fleeting, it is not holding together forever. At one point it will dissolve. We will experience the dissolution of it. Now let us continue reflecting. You notice your. Take a breath and look at your friend again here. It lives in you. Now let us continue in another way to reflect. I said we can take it up. Everyone dies. Now that I take that topic. Millions and millions of species of living creatures, of species, have come and have gone. They have died. Species are life processes. Every single dinosaur has died. All of the different species died. All of the human ancestors died. We may go back to the recent history. The human, all, all those human great civilizations were comprised of what? Of people. Civilization, great, you can get high on it, have died. Go closer. They were people. Human. Human people. 
the Mayans, the Mesopotamians, the Aztecs, all civilizations, people, the Indians, the Indian Mayans, the Teutonics, the Greek, the Romans, the Egyptians, marvelous civilizations. And those civilizations were constituted, consisted of people, again I make that point, of mommies, of daddies, of daughters, of sons. of their sisters and brothers, of their aunts and grandfathers. You see them? Civilization. That's a reflection. It can make us more close, more willing maybe. Tenderizes ourselves to accept maybe a little bit more our own death. I go on with everyone dies, part topic. Every day hundreds of people die in accidents on American highways, on German highways. on Indian highways all over the world, every day. Each weekend here in America, sometimes we get an estimation of how many people will die and how many people will be injured. There are about 50 million people that die in a year all over the globe. Dharma friends, facing that volume, one can hardly overlook the ordinariness of death and dying. We might become a little bit more softer toward it. Each time we wish someone, your friend or your daughter or your partner, a wonderful journey with their car and you advise at the end, drive carefully. What do we do with that? We anticipate in the possibilities of death. In the last, we participate in the last last touch with that person, without knowing mainly. It would be more potent and more real if one could be awake to that moment. We didn't need to collapse and feel and identify with that pain, that that person has gone away. So it could be the last touch with that person. We participate that moment in an ending, 
of that life process. And one day it will be there. So without exceptions, dear friends, everyone who is ever born has died, except for those who are still here. That is pretty incontrivable proof. And yet there is something in us that hesitates to think about it and to accept it more freely. And opening, open it in, yeah, openly, more ordinarily. And then there is another category of people. We go on, everyone dies. People with exceptional ability on their, on their body level, Think of these great athletes and sportless. They uh, attain uh, the uh, Olympic medals, who are in perfect shape. They all die too. Rulers, kings, politicians, ruling politicians, who have enormous power temporal power. They control billions or millions materials and beings. They control the world, this place, or this planet. And they too will die because of their particularity and power. They might very unlikely be uh, prone to think that they too will die or hesitate to think of it, but they too are going to die. And so military leaders, soldiers, who, all, who actually have quite, quite uh, uh, directly deal with death, they die too. All the Roman legions died, the French legions, were out to, to conquer the world. I don't think anyone is left of the First World War who fought there and who lived in that time. Survivors of the Second World War are quite old now. There was a 50-year celebration of the, as a commemoration of, um, of the end of the war in 1995 in, in Palm Springs. <clears throat> they were very, all very old and tattery, but they started, started to dance and to celebrate being the survivor, I think, and living and uh, taking delight. of their memories. People of great intellect, we continue, scholars, academics, researchers, scientists, people who have specific uh, psychic powers, like 
Mogalana, the Buddha's chief disciple. He died beaten to death by funks. He schlepped himself woundedly to the Buddha, seeing him. The Buddha said, Oh, yes, Mogalana, this is your Parina, Parinibbana. This might be your last cycle. Great saints and religious leaders too died. Let's think of the Buddha now. He was a human being. He too had to go through that door, through the door of the Lord of Death. He is someone the Buddha, who has developed deepest insight. He has awakened to the highest wisdom and he developed the greatest power, therefore, as that a human being possible can attain. True? He has, he has lived, well, he is, no, let me see. So he has that attained. And he is with his human body gone. He died too. In fact, he died of food poison. Great Mahasiddhis, enlightened beings like Narupa, Ilopa, Milarepa, There are fascinating stories about their death, like it is, um, um, at, for example, that it is said like the, the sky opened and golden light flooded down whilst they were dying or after their death. It is said from Milarepa, I think, that he was um, noticed in various places after his death, but nowhere was his body to be found. And Nui Heng, the sixth patriarch, it is said, after he died, his body did not deteriorate. It didn't decay for centuries, and yet, he is gone too as a body, mind. So, my dear friends, that is just a reflection to bring it closer to our heart, this so difficult, acceptable reality under which umbrella we actually live. It is kind of absurd to let sneak up on us the uh, kind of irrational thought. Maybe I can get around it if I meditate enough. Think in hundred years, 
from now each one in this room is gone and every person you know in this world will be gone too by then to get that sense of this 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 reality so that we can to come to realize that there is no way out as you know when the mind sees what is true i said it becomes quiet and harmonious so the more we reflect and realize there is no way out we integrate it in ourselves and provide so much more harmony in ourselves for our lives Nagarjuna explained the Mahabharati life is so fragile more so than a bubble blown a bubble blown very fragile it's more fragile than that yeah more so than a bubble blown through by the wind how truly astonishing are those who think that after an out breath they will truly surely breathe in again just to say the subtlety the fragility of our lives or that they will awaken again after they had gone to sleep let it breathe with you feel your life and realize it is true what we talk about it is there living with us truth make the mind come and he another uh, 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 um, quote i think it is i don't know where that comes from uh, who talks about and points to the same the fragility of our lives i think it is a boya one should look upon this fleeting world like this all component things are subject to dissolution see all of this world as a star at dawn comes up and goes as a bubble in the stream as a flash of lightning in the summer sky and as a flickering light in a lantern a phantom that precarious that fragile is our lives and knowing that it is um f- fleeting and reflecting like that refers to that it can uh, 
make us so much more appreciating this life we live. Parents and relatives died. All the people we love and care about, our children, my grandchildren, my best friends, everyone in this room, really interesting, including myself, are dying. Easily, kind of, to get slightly, slightly into an aversion, or as a hesitant, hesitant into hesitation to lean toward it and to accept it. I found a practice very potent for holding this openness and this, the heart open for what is there for everyone. By knowing everyone dies as you walk in the street, and everyone passes you or comes, meets you without stopping, just passes you, is subject to dying, is going to die. I felt my brakes down, going down, in the heat of an important argument when I realized that moment, at one point, she is going to die. The importance to be assertive and to be right dropped and gave me space and love. It wasn't important. And it gave reconciliation or forgiveness, all these are potentials for in the realization of this destiny, of this reality. So, my dear friends, it is really not intended to take us into depression or become gloomy or sad or space out, or feel overwhelmed. It is true. We can breathe with it. At any moment, we realize the breath. It can be so much more appreciated, and so much Mm. more delight your life that moment. It helps us really to engage in life more openly, more joyfully, more presently, in a very special way, not in that kind of fun way, what we understand under fun, but it is connected to the truth, and there is some bitter-sweet aspect in it, bitter, and it becomes sweet in the recognition and accepting of it, that aspect. My life is fleeting. There is a classic Buddhist reflection, very short. I don't know whether I have it underneath here. Yeah. My death is certain. 
the time of my death is uncertain. The way of my death is uncertain. How then shall I live my life? My death is certain. The time of my death is uncertain. The way of my death is uncertain. How then should I live my life? What is important? Where to turn? What to do? Which direction to go? What to accept? What to let go? Recognizing my death perhaps can make me realize what we can do, which direction to go, how far can, what is possible for me whilst I live. In the face of this this reality, my death is certain. The time is uncertain and so the way of my death. Perhaps I can, it can be done, well, what is possible to do, we now may realize deeper. And perhaps it can be done to weaken and to the fascinating and luring spell of our cultural conventional definition of what is important. The evening news. So one one of the conventional definition of what is important is the reflection. A kind of, if I accumulate enough possessions, if I'm wealthy enough and secure, enough and enough insurances, if I have enough power and fame and uh, good health, I may then be able to survive. But death is certain. The way of my death is uncertain. The time of my death is uncertain. All that, what takes birth, will die. The time of their death is uncertain. The way of their dying is uncertain. How then shall I live my life? Where are the answers? We have a lot from the Dharma we get from our practice, so our practice, so following the Buddha's advice. We have lots of good um, tools and ways and methods to deal with that. It all hinges on the ability to be attentive to the life I live this moment and to the life that I live the next moment and accept it in a way it unfolds in all its aspects. And there is it to find in this contemplation and observation of my life that it is fleeting.
that it is for a short while here, and from that we get a lot of good ways how to to deal, how I shall live my life. And here, an answer from Castaneda, from Don Juan. Who knows that book? Who has, you know, beautiful things are there. Death is is our eternal companion, Don Juan said to his student, with the most serious air. It is always in our, it is always to our left, with an arm length, It has always been watching you. It always will, until the day it will tap you. How can one feel so important when we know that death is stalking us? He asks, probably it was a student. The thing to do when you are impatient said Don Juan to a student, when you are impatient to perceive it, to turn to your left and ask advice from your death. An immense amount of petty is dropped. Your death makes it when you are, if your death makes a gesture to you, if you catch a glimpse of it at times, when it just lets you have a feeling that your companion is there watching you. I told him, that is what the student says, that I believed him and that he does not need to press the issue any further you may be telling me already, because I was terrified. Don Juan replied that the issue of death was never pressed, of our death, was never pressed far enough, so far in our practice. You are and often do, that everything is falling apart now, that you feel uh, it, uh, there is no, no further go, that it is despairing. You find, find yourself screaming for help, feeling fear of being annihilated, then turn to your left. Then turn to your death and ask if it is so. Your death will tell you that you are wrong, that nothing really matters outside its touch. Your death will tell you, I have not touched you yet. And thus you drop the cursed pettiness that possesses a human being or human beings 
that lived their life as though death never taps them. He talks about these moments where we feel we die. Hmm? Potent. So we can use this reflection on death as a skillful means, as a wonderful device of our lives, and as a skillful means to go through life in harmony and in rest, understanding, in wisdom. I think of the Zen teachers who are climbing up on a very high, high seat at some occasions of rituals or special discourses to teach from that high seat. I have seen Sasaki Roshi doing that. And that is to, for them to realize their own possibility, their own annihilation or dissolution. It is supposed to bring them up there, bring them to that awareness of their own death. So that when they sit up there and teach, it may cut off their pride and arrogance. The base of our practice of developing insight of awakening to wisdom is the understanding of impermanence. It is part of the Eightfold Path. It's part of that field called right understanding. If if we start to see impermanence on more levels than we so far have been able to see, yesterday there it was a little attempt again, noticing our skeleton, looking at it, dancing with it in a rhythmic way, in a concentrated way, which allowed us to come closer and get a glimpse, maybe. That is my future. Um, So if we do that, begin to deeply understand this phenomenon in us, impermanence, we very easily wake up and understand the second characteristic of existence, the second natural reality, and that is that life is hard, is um, unsatisfactory, is dukkha, we develop that and wake up to that and understand it as a natural law for unenlightened, for conditioned mind, minds. Just by realizing your impermanence on the level of a microscopic level, energy level, consciousness level. And we also awake, and I pointed that out as a Sometimes, when we see ourselves comprised of elements and look again and realize it more deeply, we cannot find an element called I or me as an authority 
or as a protector or as a guide. We come to that natural law, that characteristic of, of life, of existence, no self, which sounds so goofy at first. It's also natural. And by accepting and contemplating our impermanence, it's a very potent one. It lets us understand the other two. This was my main focus during my training with my teacher. He was obsessed. He was permeated by that practice, seeing anicca, anicca, anicca. Impermanence includes death. It's the ultimate of impermanence. Relates to this. And that lets us, since we are looking at truth, we become more truthful. Living, we live from truth, from an awareness, <coughs> from a consciousness that has opened up to truth, and it will act more truthfully, <coughs> more in harmony, more in peace with all things. It also brings energy to life at the same time. For we are living now in meeting the truth and accepting it. We are building up on our wholeness this way. So we make the right effort now to be more maybe impeccable or more diligent almost serious at times with our practice than we are. And it will, if we are patient enough, show us <clears throat> that it shifts our con consciousness. I call it the shift from ordinary conditioned consciousness into Dharma consciousness. And what comes out and what we discovered or what to what we give space at the same time is to more caring to each other, to myself, to more caring to other beings, human and non-human and plants, for more caring and reverence and love for our relationship to life in general. And that gives us an answer to the question. How shall I live my life? What is interesting, maybe for all of us, I wanted to say to me, is that it brings us into the present moment. Because nothing can we observe in ourselves and acknowledge via experience than in this present moment. When we are shifting from that conditioned consciousness, from not rightly understanding, into more and more accepting these natural laws, we talk about impermanence and death.
it brings us into the present moment and that makes us alive, appreciating this moment and we know what to do. We comprehend the situation and fearlessly can we step, or with less fear, can we step forward into the next moment. We are able to take the risk, including to take the risk to fail and to stand up again, that confidence we have not to stay in that failure, no matter whether it is nice or pleasant or unpleasant or painful or stressful. All is life, all is recognized as this present moment, as a precious moment, as a delicious moment, for soon we all give this up, there is no opportunity more. And that way our life can be a constant celebration. It is touching because it is so beautiful, but it is also somehow bitter or not so sweet, something. It's such a wonderful moment where both worlds meet. We are in this world and we are dealing with the greater world, with the origins of all worlds. And um, then we find ourselves that is, celeb- that is a reason to celebrate or that what we do is celebration. And I like to close now. I like to close with um, um, a word or, or descri- uh, a description of an event from Ramdas. I like to read you that. When he went to visit Death Row in Quinton prison, he said, There were about 35 men. They all had been condemned to death. Um, But they were not quite sure yet, because the Federal Supreme Court had to make some decisions still. So Ramdas said, as I went up into each cell, There were only a few who were not receiving me openly, clearly and quietly and consciously. The feeling I had was that I was visiting a monastery. (laughs) See, there is the worldly thing, the worldly establishment, the prison, and he felt being in the monastery. And that is the other word out of which the worldly manifests itself, maybe. So, um, I had the feeling that I was visiting a monastery. For these men who were facing death 
had been pushed into a situation that has cut through that has cut through their melodrama and they are right here now we set together sending out love to all beings in the universe that was courage hmm? there was light pouring out of these people's eyes and tears <coughs> for this i went back we got so very open that i was so easy for any one of us without freaking out without hesitation i love you i love every one i cannot tell you says he goes on i cannot tell you whether that what is happening to you he speaks to them is a blessing or a curse for there is little chance that we that we again would be sharing a space together as now and there is little chance therefore that it can be higher than this moment Maybe that enough. So you see, that's why it is suggested from the Buddha to take up this practice. He sent his students, his disciples, to the funeral grounds to see and observe the decay. That the. the the dissolving of a corpse or to witness the cremation oh, was over time oh no i wasn't you were talking a lot of time anyway we we are in the time now we are shifting now we are shifting now into the next practice that is in the group meeting i suggest we stay together and make a maha interview you can ask me questions and we all think we are wonderful open for everything and uh, gently in this way actualize this part of our practice this morning d'accord some may need to take a, a restroom break of course yeah i would say 5 minutes or 7 hmm? yeah. or uh, doshan why don't you do that after 7 minutes and go and bring the bell again then those who have gone astray Uh, before you go i forgot to invite you to acknowledge the ending of our discourse it was a special one 
and to acknowledge this we talked about in our, in ourselves and accept this life lived in awareness as a celebration and appreciation of your life now and now and now and beyond each moment. Thank you for having had the patience to listen.